If LinkedIn is on your list of platforms that you need to do better with in 2023, then this episode will get you taking notes and even more importantly, taking action on your marketing this year. LinkedIn has long been one of my favorite platforms, but the one thing I do badly on it is sell on it. This is partly because I have had so many people oversell to me over the years on messages, and it's made me feel pretty anti about buying signals when they do come in. Sorry, all of those people who get nasty messages from me. So when I asked Kate, social selling specialist and LinkedIn expert, to help change my mind, it was a big step. And what I loved was her money method, as in show me the money, for those of you who know that movie, to help me and you and everyone else on LinkedIn sound not only in a way that fits in well with my own values and beliefs around business and sales, but made it something that we can all do. Her ideas and processes are wise, but they're also super simple. Kate started off her career in old school sales and most of her work is with larger businesses and corporates, teaching teams how to use social selling to work best in a world where buyers have changed the way they buy. Her advice fits both the large sales teams she now trains along with us as small business owners because just like us, Kate uses these same tools to help her grow her own network and gain her ideal clients. LinkedIn is a wonderful place to grow your business and you will be that much wiser of just how to do that with this episode of MapIt Marketing. Welcome, this is MapIt Marketing and I am your host, Rachel Claver. I love helping small business owners become more confident and more capable with their marketing. So this podcast is all here to help you do just that. It's me and the help of some great guests helping you learn new skills, new strategies and ideas. Let's jump in and get started. Hi and welcome to MapIt Marketing. I'm your host, Rachel Claver, and our guest today, I've already introduced her in the introduction, that's what an introduction's for. Uh, but she is one of my favorite people. She is one of my coaching clients. She asks the best questions in the actual universe. She is one of my people that I love having on a coaching call because she always, as we're wrapping up, she goes, oh, I, I just have one more question I'd like to ask if that's okay. Uh, before we start talking to Kate Nankable, who is a legend in all things LinkedIn and especially what we're talking about today, social selling. Uh, before we do, if you've got questions coming up from today, please do come and be part of the MapIt Marketing Facebook um, group and ask questions in there. You can ask me questions and Kate's in there too, so you can even ask her some questions as well. All right, Kate, thank you for so much for coming and being part of the show. Um, do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself? I know I should have warned you before we hit record. We got chatting on other stuff, but I am going to ask you to introduce yourself. Is that all right? Absolutely. Perfect. Hi, Rachel. Look, it's a real pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you for that lovely warm introduction. And I guess I would like to say to Reflecting on how I got to know about you, I think it was probably something along the lines of the MapIt Marketing Group or hearing about that or finding out about that. So it's a real pleasure to be here having this conversation for a whole bunch of different reasons. But also, I would like to reflect as we kick off how much I appreciate the way that you do business and the generosity that you show. And it's so aligned to what you teach and communicate and all that you do. And so many of us benefit from that. So I want to acknowledge and celebrate you for that as we kick off. Kate's also very good at, at encouragement. So if you ever want an encouraging friend, you start linking up with Kate. Honestly, you've got the most amazing smile, an incredible brain and a beautiful heart. What more? What more, <laughs> Kate, do you need in a person? 
Thank you. So I want to make a blush for those of you that can't see a video. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> I think I've lost her. We might not keep any conversation going for the rest of the time now. Oh, I'll try and I'll try and get my feet back on the ground. Okay. Uh, yeah. So introducing myself. Well, look, I think it would be good to go back to particularly because we're talking about social selling today. I come from a background in professional sales, uh, business development in the B2B or business to business space. Um, look, funnily enough, I studied psychology and that was industrial psychology at an undergrad level. Then I studied organizational psychology, which sort of carrying on with that trend at a postgrad level. And then I got into the world of work and I ended up in a variety of different sales roles and that kind of morphed and grew. And I had professional sales training in a B2B sales role. And so I learned an effective sales process. I'm, I'm talking about the late 90s here. Um, so I will age myself in this description. Mm. And that was great back then uh, because of the way the world worked. And it was really pre, almost pre-mobile phones. And so the world of sales used to involve literally using the telephone or people were still literally cold calling door to door, yeah. whole bunch of that sort of stuff. So I learned in that time when B2B selling looked more in the space where you literally had to get on the phone and talk to people you didn't know and have the barefaced courage to handle whatever came up or, as we used to say, handle the jandle. Uh, and I remember a lot of different experiences when you call people who don't expect you to call. Yes, um, I was also trained in this, and I agree. I do, I do think, though, you and I and people that have done it will have a fairly good, robust and thick skin around rejection, which for I have rejection dysmorphia, so it's a miracle I ever did it. But I do think you become quite ballsy when you're like, I have to ring 10 people, and if one person accepts my call, I've won today, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Can I, I heard that from someone recently who was talking about going looking for sponsorship for something, yes. and he's a successful CEO of a number of businesses, and he said, look, if I get one out of 10 from seeking sponsorship for something, I'm pretty stoked with that. Yeah. So I think that's a really valid point to make, to think about our resilience when it comes to making approaches in business. And I think if you haven't had some of those experiences, then sometimes stepping into the world of professional sales can be a bit scary uh, because you haven't perhaps had the school of hard knocks whack you around a bit to work yeah. out how this works and, and understand the aspect of it that does relate to numbers. It's not all about numbers, but certainly we do... Uh, it's good to keep that perspective. And and so that's the old form of selling. And I, I mean, I've made sales strategy funnels and things like that where we talked about, you know, for 100 people that you contact through this, you might get, um, you know, maybe 30 initial conversations. And out of that, you might get maybe eight meetings. And out of that, you might get four proposals and you get one sale. And that would kind of be like this kind of crude funnel. Sure. And that's the old social, uh, sorry, the old selling way. Can you tell me how social selling differs from traditional sales? Because actually what we didn't say, because you got so good on that, we got excited about it, is what you've done now is build a business around teaching people how to use LinkedIn in particular for social selling. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And and look, I will get to that if I may extend the introduction a little further. Yes, do um, please. So that, so that we tell the story. I think one of the things that I'd say, uh, I'm fascinated by the new. I'm fascinated with what's over the horizon. And I often get excited about new technology and new things. Uh, but one of the things that I saw happening 
earlier on with LinkedIn when it first um, emerged and, and things started to actually kick in in the world of B2B, B2B sales was I was always a keen networker. Mm. And I thought, oh, this is cool. We can use this to network. You know, I used to have a repository of business cards in a variety of guises. You know, there were things like roller dexes. So you might need to look that up if you're under 30. Um, <laughs> or you'd have a like a some kind of bank of business cards in a box and that might be your base for your world yes. of contacts. And all of a sudden, LinkedIn presented a chance where we could grow a network of people that we knew in business and be in contact with those people and learn more about those people and use that as a part of how we were doing our jobs. And if we were in B2B sales, it could support that. So I saw that as an opportunity. And at a time when I was making a big change in my life, I stepped off the cliff of working in the corporate world and started my own business as a LinkedIn specialist. And I'd learned a bunch of things up to that point. But I would also say, um, and this is a long way to tell a short story, so really it's a long story. So bear with me, Rachel and listeners. I think myself, and I guess I can only talk about myself, but I do observe human behaviour. I think that a lot of us coming from the corporate world, going into our own businesses, have quite a level of, I'm going to say, confidence about what the corporate world teaches us, mm. and that somehow we'll be able to parlay that yeah. into Uber I business success. clients, believe me. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is, uh, I'm going to say, a mistaken assumption. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a mistaken assumption. Because... Yeah, sure, you do learn lots of really great things within the world of corporate, but having your own business and learning everything that you need to learn to be successful in a business, it's like the best, hugest, most amazing, rigorous, most bang-you-about journey of self-discovery and learning I think that I've ever been yeah. through in probably in the world of work, but also just to, to do with who I am as a human being. And I, I don't think you can know it until you put yourself there. So sort of coming back to... Okay, so I was good at networking. I saw the opportunity of LinkedIn. I started out, um, and that was also because I'd provided someone some training on how to use LinkedIn and, and her consulting business. And she was like, Kate, you could be doing this as a business. And kind of a whole bunch of things happened. So off I started in my own business. What I could see was this social selling opportunity was significant to the world of B2B selling. And I think I think also because I've got this thing about seeing the future and being excited by new things, I was probably leaning into something that people weren't necessarily ready to implement mm. in the world of B2B sales. It was kind of maybe early days in New Zealand. So that was kind of fun. Started delivering something new. I think if we look at what you described, Rachel, that cascade of experiences that we used to create, old school selling, I think the thing about LinkedIn for me and what I teach people is there is an element of the human factor that's probably not a lot different but it, it kind of it actually makes it easier in a yeah. way because we get the opportunity to communicate who we are through our, our online identities our profiles our brands that we create online so instead of having to make a cold call where the person at the other end has no idea who you are from Adam and having to have the sheer faced nerve to go Hi, Rachel. I hear you're the new sales manager for blah, blah, blah. And it's Kate here from blah, blah, blah. I'd love to talk to you. And Rachel, you could go, well, I've got one or two other things I might want to do today. Suddenly, on LinkedIn, we've got this well-articulated, if you've done the work right, profile so people can mm. check us out. So when we reach out to people, 
it, it offers a much, I'm going to say, gentler, it's, it's an opportunity for people to check us out in their own time. And so much of what we do now in the world of business is dictated by how we want to work. So I think LinkedIn works really well with the autonomy that a lot of us get to experience in the way we work now. And then people can decide whether or not they want to connect with you. But the, the decision they will make will be based, and this is just the starting point, right, with social selling, because you need to actually bring people into your world, uh, based on how you will reach out to them, how you are communicating, who you are being. So whilst we've got this world of online, and it's fabulous, and it's amazing, and it offers us things that we didn't used to have, actually who you're being is still really critical, because I think in the early days, People used to go, oh, LinkedIn, it's a numbers game. If I just ask 100 people to connect, I'm going to get at least two people who I can do some business with, kind of cold, hard cash uh, feeling about it. And as a consequence, a whole bunch of things happened over time. So people were a bit, I'm going to say, uncaring in their approach. They'd just send invitations um, that just contained the the script that LinkedIn generates or just a connect and, and people would decide whether or not they'd respond. But the the ante has been upped because we expect another level of human interaction now that we didn't perhaps even five to eight years ago. Because I, I guess like there are still people that are doing that old school thing. And it's interesting because I do sometimes just connect with some people. Often when I'm just showing people how to use something and I'm like, this is how you can do it, how you shouldn't do it, should you send a message. But I know that the people that I as soon as someone gives me, I, I don't personally ever do a copy and paste connection message. If someone sends me one, it's almost an instant delete or it sits there for ages while I think about whether I want to connect with them. And them, plus the other ones that say something like, I'd like to extend my network, blah, blah, blah. I'm normally, I look at them and I go, is this person going to sell to me the first moment I sit? And, and often I'll be like, look, why are you being so judgy? They're not going to do it. And then I finally I'll decide to connect with them and lo and behold, the first thing they do is they send me a sales message, which then makes me feel absolutely furious and I want to just unconnect immediately. Absolutely. And I would have a buzzer right now when people do that and go, eh, yeah. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, oh, I've got that no buzzer. I could actually do a voice memory thing of no, no, no. Um, yeah. So can we just talk about this? Because I sure. think one of the hardest things I think around social selling and how it differs from traditional sales methods is if I'm doing a cold call, I can, besides developing a little bit of rapport, which is important, I can actually jump straight into selling on a cold call because that's what I'm doing. I'm not sitting there chatting and building a relationship. I've got a bit of rapport, but they don't want to sit there with me going, how are you going today? How was the weather? They don't want that. They know I'm selling. Social selling's different, right? I guess. What, I would talk about this using the language of winning the right to have the conversation. I love and, that phrase. I might even yeah. use that as yes. um, a title. Yeah. Yeah, great. So I think there are there's different aspects to this. So what I was taught in old school cold calling was that you still needed to win the right. So yes. my goal in a cold call would have been to win the right to have the conversation with the person. And, and in doing so, I would be literally asking that person are they ready to talk to me today? Because if I, because I'm a very good listener, um, if I could hear that that person was just like wigging out on whatever that's facing them in front of them and that they weren't ready to listen, I'd go, hey, look, I really appreciate the fact you stopped to talk to me as much as you have today. I can hear you've got a lot on. 
would it be okay if we planned another time for us to have a conversation? Now, that might be next week, next month, or in a quarter, because I used to do the quarterly prospecting. Yeah. But I would always tick and and qualify for a time to have the conversation. And it could happen in the first call or it could happen three months later, like I say. I think what people are still doing wrong on LinkedIn is what you're describing. It's, again, they don't know what they don't know. And also, you know, people are... People, I think, have a perception of what selling is, and it's clouded by their, I think, sometimes view that professional selling or selling is still some kind of white-shoed car salesperson mm-hmm. who's just about pitching and smashing the pitch as soon as you can, and that's what you need to do when you're a salesperson. There's actually a sad lack of respect, and particularly, I think, in New Zealand, I'm going to out that right now, I'm going to say in New Zealand, there's a lot of lack of respect for the profession of selling within the commercial culture in New Zealand, when it's actually a very developed skill. So if you're doing it well, you're not going to be pitching someone as soon as they invite you to connect. And if I take it back a step, if I didn't know you and I was looking at you and the content that you share on LinkedIn, this is a tip I'm dropping now, so get yeah. your pens ready or whatever you do with your phones. And I would look at all that, that you do and I would go, hi, Rachel, I've just read your post yeah, about... Yeah, works for me every time. Yeah, about I don't know. It might be this. What's chat? What's it called? Chat, chat? GPT. Do one yeah, chat. Today. G- yep. Yeah, yeah. Just read your your post about Chat GPT. I knew nothing about it before. Really intrigued to know more. Love your style, and I'd really be delighted to connect with you. Mm. I look forward to your reply. Kind regards, Kate. You know, yeah. I would send a message like that. I think the thing is, again, when I go, I'm talking about real world. Sometimes people talk about them as soft skills, but just. You know, combining genuine nice. interest. Yeah, showing yes. interested. I'm like, if I look at the people that I tend to connect with now, because like I've got a couple of marketers that I watch who who do these things. Like I've got twenty five thousand followers on on LinkedIn, and I'm like, I for a start, I've gone and checked their followers, and all of them aren't my our target market. But I'm like, I'm not in here for the numbers game. Like I still have a good following number. I'm not here for the follower numbers game. I'm here to build connections with people I like. But quite often, like, say someone shares a a, a post and there's good engagement in the comments, I'll often connect to someone who's commented in the comments and say, hey, I'm connecting with you because your comment told me you're my sort of people. And and they, then it's not a sales thing. And weirdly, some of those people have become clients or I've maybe worked with them or something. But it's actually just finding people and going, that person in this crowded room, I'm running over making a beeline because they have got something about them that I want to know and hang out with. Absolutely. And it is the doing that, so looking at the comment or looking at the post and the content in the post and reflecting on that. So giving someone a reason to connect that's based upon what you're seeing online is our method of doing that. If we take that to a real world conference or event environment, if we saw that person across the room, Yes. And for whatever reason, we were interested in, in getting to know them. We would rock up to them. I know I would. And it would either be the person they're standing next to that I might go, oh, you know Sally or Jude or mm. whoever. We know that person in common, maybe because I can see that. Or I'd go, um, I love what you said when we were in that joint session. You stood up and asked that question. And I liked what you had to say. Or uh, it might be literally if someone's in person and it's like old school when you used to go into their office and you'd look yeah. around for clues, you go, oh, I see that you've got those amazing uh, day earrings on today, Rachel. Yeah. They look like they are crocheted, aren't they? Yeah. You know, like I just 
genuine interest in a human being. I think it's that genuine thing. And it's something that you can't do as a numbers game. If you're going, I have to hit 20 new contacts a day and I'm just going to send something out to them. You have to really think about the value of each person and not just seeing the numbers. I think it's really key, right? Absolutely. And back to what you were talking about in terms of having a network or a community of people that you're connected with on LinkedIn. It's true. Some people do have really high numbers, which they can have achieved in a number of different ways. But I think if we think about bringing people into our network, we also then have a responsibility or we could grow a consciousness about what we're doing to nurture that network. Yeah. And that's where what you teach is so invaluable for people because one of the ways that we can nurture our network, so the people who we bring into our network, so if you if you're not yet aware of this, and this is a key thing for to, to know about LinkedIn, those people that are in our first degree world, our first degree connections, they are the first people to see our content when we post it. Mm. So that is part of the reason why we want to grow a larger network, because obviously the more people there are, then the more people that get to see what we yeah. create. But if you're going to bring people into a world that you're taking responsibility for it, and I talk about this as post responsibility, and it's like you're holding your own LinkedIn party or your own like LinkedIn, your, your own LinkedIn networking event, if you like, every time that you share a piece of valuable content and you've given it good thought and and uh, invested your expertise in and are really helping those people, it's like a mini event where you're helping them in business. So I that, absolutely love that. I am, I've just written it as a note, expect accredited post about this in the next few weeks because I, I love this idea that every post we make is us being a responsible host and, and creating a networking event for other people who are like us or respond to what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And it, the quality then becomes so important. It's not... Um, no, it's like farming or gardening. If you just kind of thrash the earth, you don't yeah. create an environment for great crops to grow. If you're just kind of banging stuff out, you're not going to have people thinking, well, that person, you know, Rachel or Kate, yeah. uh, really doesn't put much effort into what they're about. Yeah. But people do appreciate it when you do put the effort in. And so that's one of the ways. Uh, so I think, yeah, definitely thinking about what we're doing when we're creating an environment by bringing people into our network and what we can then do with them is important. So here we go. So I'm just going to pull this out because some people here are going to be, I'm not a content writer. I can't do that. And I can understand that. And there are ways that you can solve that, get help and structure. But one of the things you can do is if I think about the fact I've got the Mapit Marketing Facebook group, which is my group, it's a big job to have your own networking event, your big own party. You've got to keep on being the host. That's tiring. Mm. One of the things that I do that you do as well and other people do to get that growth and connection is if you don't want to run your own networking party on LinkedIn, you can join someone else's party that they've hosted as their post and comment as a party goer. Yes. Absolutely. And then those people will see you. And if they like you, they go, oh, that's the little subgroup I want to hang out with on this in this party. Is that right? Absolutely. Which is oh, a nice. I love, yeah. this, I love this metaphor. I'm so excited. Marvelous. I'm loving it. I love a good metaphor too. But I think also you can think about it in terms of extroverts and introverts as well. Like probably the more confident you are 
about creating and sharing content the more you're like an extrovert whereas if you feel less confident and we might call that being a little bit more introverted then think about how you can add value to someone else's post by getting involved in the conversation and it is a valid strategy on LinkedIn to use that method so we talk about it people say comment marketing that's one phrase that's given to this some people talk about it as an engagement strategy that's certainly some language I've used I think understand that if you want to be seen regularly by the people you want to be seen by if you literally go onto LinkedIn on a daily basis and comment regularly in the right areas you will be seen by more of the people that you want to be seen by and that's a brilliant approach as a as a starting point if you're not ready to share content I love that so I will actually just say with this um, because this was something that I've talked to you about before but um, I've always had really good engagement on my LinkedIn um, and then last year for about six or seven months it really dropped off it was around the time I was getting in, into TikTok so I was spending heaps of time there and then I read a post by a LinkedIn influencer um, and he was talking about how important it was to reply to comments before and after and my my feed for months had not been good I was trying, struggling to find people I connected with so I decided to start doing that for half an hour before I posted and then half an hour after don't do it every day sometimes it's 15 minutes but one, I now have far more people that I can relate to and that I feel connected to in my feed. So it improves the people I see. Mm-hmm. But second, it actually increased my reach and I started getting more connections and my posts started doing better because those people then saw my posts in their feed. Mm-hmm. And I do think that people often push us, content marketers like me, often push people to make posts and create content but I agree with you you can go very 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 far on LinkedIn even if you were just commenting on other people's posts absolutely and also because LinkedIn enables us to search with such comfort and dexterity uh, we can go looking for those people on a regular basis and it might be for example and um, one of the things and we're not really showing a visual here but if you have noticed the bell on people's profiles yeah so if there are people in your industry, so there might be other people who are actually competition to you, and this is a, it's a definitely a strategy that you can uh, take part in or apply, uh, you could follow key people in your industry and actually add to what they're sharing on LinkedIn. So take part in the conversations they're about. Then again, you're being seen by the right type of audience and you're being collaborative. And, uh, you know, when people talk about co-opetition, you're actually just joining the conversation and adding value. That's a great thing to do to be seen more too. Yeah, I have to be careful with this because sometimes they'll say things I don't agree with. And I have, and it's really hard for me because I'm pretty frank. I don't mind having someone disagree with me on my posts. And I have disagreed with a few people. Someone about a few months ago talked about how they don't believe you should email people more than once a month, which I totally disagree with. Um and so I have to be careful because I have to make sure you want to be stand your ground and say stuff, but you also don't want to, yeah, it's a, it's a sure. hard line. You've got to watch what you're doing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're talking about different uh, steps and levels of experience and expertise and specific tweaks that we can apply the more we know about what we're doing yeah. on LinkedIn. So that become, can become more refined over time. I think if you're early days, and look, one of the things I did a couple of years ago is I literally did a survey and said, do you feel nervous or afraid mm. or feel fearful of posting on LinkedIn? And 50% of people, only 50% of people did. So I think if you feel like, well, I want to be really careful and cautious, then one of the things to apply is you're probably not going to get controversial in the early days. Yes, so maybe true. just don't. 
yes. you know just yeah. uh, picking fights yeah yeah stick with the things that you know and can share positively about so that you can get there then you can refine your approach over time whereas you get kind of a great greater sense of comfort and it's like probably any social environment as well although this is business social uh we probably don't want to get too controversial unless we're confident enough to back ourselves to yeah. have that conversation yeah, and look, one of the things I would say too again my opinion um, I think there are a lot of people on LinkedIn getting uber critical and political in an environment yeah. that it's just like not that. no I don't, I don't think it's serving a great and if people purpose. um I do always check if someone connects with me I go and have a look at their past um activity and if they're coming across as a major um, xenophobe, if they're really sexist, if they are um, homophobic, or if they're just like a hot, like to me, what I would call, sorry, anyone that is those things, but a horrible human being, um, I just generally don't connect with them. I don't want that in my feed. Um, and so, but what I do do sometimes is some of those big posts that create that, I do hunt out the people that are speaking against it and I go and connect with those people because that's creating a community of people that are like me. Absolutely. And of course, everyone, you've all got rights to whatever beliefs you have, but I feel that it's good to have people around you that you work with in business that have some of the core important values you have. And LinkedIn gives you an opportunity to really create that. I think that's awesome. How often would you at a physical networking party be able to go and have a look at the past hundred things they've said to people at the last parties and go, oh, wow, that person's really degrading women there or, wow, that person really hates lesbians or, you know, like I like that I can make decisions on that. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the other thing that's available and open to us on LinkedIn, which I love, is that it's access to people globally. So, look, I'm really interested in mm. global issues. And, yes, I am interested in political issues, but I don't voice that on LinkedIn because it's not the environment as far as I'm concerned. But mm. having said that, I've watched documentaries on TV and movies and identified the people that the documentaries were being made about. Or maybe it's a docudrama, but there's a, there's a real person underneath. I think, wow, that person was amazing. Or someone's written a book. And I reach out to those people on LinkedIn and invite them to connect. And I love that because it's just the influence yeah. and, and knowledge gathering globally is, is tremendous. I am. Um, I think that that's one of the things I, I have really loved about it is I've built a network of competitors. I'm going to use it in uh, quote marks globally mm. and to me that has been the one of the biggest joys for LinkedIn because New Zealand is a very small market and it can feel a little bit like you're in each other's pockets a bit but by going globally one it really I, like people globally when you're getting respect because I think because we're Kiwis we have this thing but when they start to respect you and go hey you should check out Rachel or Kate or things it does make you as a Kiwi feel quite good but I think also yep. it's really great to see the voices of your industry that aren't just in this small 5 million population. Absolutely, for sure. And look, I make a, a massive effort to network with and be part of a network of global LinkedIn, I'm going to say experts, gurus, professionals, people who work in the space that I do because you we're all continually learning and it's a great way to continue making sure you are 
up with the right kinds of information and the right conversations and having the right kinds of exchanges. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about steps to social selling. This has been really sure. awesome. I really enjoyed the notes myself. I am looking forward to writing this up, to be honest. Um, but if we're looking at steps to social, social selling, the first one is is obviously you kind of you connect personally. So you show a personal interest in the initial post. And then if they connect with you, What's the next steps from there? Because I think what lots of people that are half getting this right is they do that and then they still sweep in with the big sales pitch afterwards, which is the immediate turn off. To me, I feel like it's it's like um, internet dating where someone sends you a dick pic after you've said hello to them. Yeah, for um, sure. If, if I may too, Rachel, um, just to, to take us back a, a step because I will get to this, I think that there's a couple of options that are available to people but I would just like to describe, and I'll, I'll keep it as brief as possible. Uh, I have a, an acronym that I call the money method to describe how to approach LinkedIn oh, cool. and make the best use of LinkedIn. And so I stole that from Cuba Gooding Jr. and Tom Cruise. Um, great, two that, great people to sell from. Show me the money, baby. Yeah, exactly. Show me the money. Yeah. And so I, I like playing with that, but it, it just gives us an acronym we're to work with. And I talk about number one being mindset. So having the right mindset for LinkedIn, which is what we've been talking about in terms of how we approach people and our intention to act with integrity and being genuine, then optimising your profile is really important. So um, we're not going to get into that heaps of detail, but in essence, it's knowing who your ideal client or clients are so that your profile is written and articulated in such a way that people get who you work with what you do to assist them, what problems you help them solve and what solutions you bring or what products you bring that help solve their business yeah. problems. So when people can find that out from your profile, you're doing the right job. Then coming to the growing your network part or growing your ideal audience and community on LinkedIn, which is what you've asked about specifically. Okay, mm -hmm. so we've got our ways of approaching people and we've talked about observing something like their content or something in their profile yeah. and then using that as the way that we approach them. Then we've got two different avenues, I guess, that are open to us in the way that we work. And I think this comes back to understanding that social selling emerged because it's a reaction to the change in buying behavior that happened. So in the in the old school selling, we're like trying to make a sale. Uh, in social selling, we want to win the opportunity to have a business conversation. So when I talk about what our intention is in reaching out to a person, through LinkedIn, I'm not trying to say, hello, Rachel, I'm a LinkedIn specialist, buy my program on LinkedIn. I'm looking to find out if first of all, if you're the right type of ideal client for me, sending you an invitation to connect. I then need to build some rapport. Yeah. And so once I've invited you to connect, it can look like this. And this is where people get a little bit lost. Invite the person to connect with an appropriate and genuine and warm invitation. Yeah. Once you have responded to that and you've said yes to me, if that's what you've done, I then can send a thank you message and welcome you to my network. And that's all I'm seeking to do. But that thank oh. you and welcome to my network message can include a link to something I've written, can include something free that I might give them, can include a link to a post that I've written about myself so people can get to know more about me as a human being and business person. There's... There's a raft of different things we can do in that thank you and welcome 
I like that idea. Pitch. I don't think I'm doing that, and I'm going to give it a go. And I like, um, I'm, I'm, I don't like anything that's free, only because so many people do it, and they, I'm, I'm the worst person to sell to, by the way, because I'm so, I get so over this. The thing I don't like with the free thing to me, it has to be free. It's nothing that you have to give me, yeah. have to give me an email address for. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, but so I love the, all the, the other stuff. I think that's such a cool idea. I love the idea of even having like a little post about you that someone can click on to find out more about you. Yeah, and I, I was, I was given that recently, and I really warmed to it because the post was really, uh, really about the person as a human being. And again, when I say something for you, it's a, it's a judgment call. And again, this is where it comes from. You know, when we're examining the choices we make here, it, there is some experimentation. So if you're going to try something like a free thing, you need to apply that to the next 50 or 100 people that you're inviting. Yeah. And if you're finding it's not landing and people aren't actually taking it up, well, it's not working for you, so you might need to tweak it. But the link to post about yourself, that's just people getting to know you, which is a really nice, warm, genuine really thing like to do, yeah. which, which is no pressure. And when we talk about building rapport, it's literally doing the things that enable people to feel more about you in a positive way because that will make them more open to hearing what you might have to say next. So then the, the, what, the what you might have, sorry, yep. Can I just say with that, the other reason this is good, though, from an algorithm point of view is the more back and forth here, the more likely they're going to see your next post too, mm. right? Yeah, so, so if we think about a lot too, the, the different avenues that are open and people apply this differently, you could choose to bring people into your network and do the thank you and welcome and let them know or that they could see the, the regular content you're sharing because that's a completely valid way for them to get to know you better, to understand more about the value you're adding and to take them on a journey of adding value to them through the content you're sharing. Yeah, I love it. And then some people take a more active stance. And again, that's going to depend on whether, you know, like if you're literally in a B2B sales role, you're probably being managed and encouraged to take further action. It might be that one of the things that you do is share content on a regular basis through private messaging on LinkedIn. So that might be something like a monthly basis where, again, you share something free I'm not asking for an email here but literally uh, adding value to the world that they're in and that's when you've got a very targeted person that you're going to bring into your network and you're wanting to build rapport with but again you can play this both ways you can do it in the uh, space where we're sharing content in the feed or you can continue to build rapport one of the other things that's available to us and that again I guess uh, there's so much you can do in playing around with this is let's just talk about the messaging function on LinkedIn for a moment and think about what's available to us. So many people are probably conscious that you can do a text message. Mm. But one of the ways that you can take this up a notch is to use the voice messaging that's available. You have brought me around with this. I We've had conversations about this before. My pet hate are men that have never talked to me before sending me a voice message on contact. I refuse to listen to it. I mean, mm. I'm very sexist. If it's a woman, I'm more likely to do it. But if I've had a meeting with someone and I've already had an engagement with them or if it's someone I've connected with a couple of times and they send me a text message, I'll listen to it. And I think that men quite often like to send, or they went through a phase with me of sending me in a, a voice message initially. And I'm like, I don't know who you are enough to know whether this is a safe message to listen to or not. I've had enough dodgy messages on LinkedIn not to listen to it. But you love sending voice messages. In fact, you and I will sometimes send voice messages to each other. 
Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, and and maybe also it's something that as women we don't face that challenge with in the way that you're describing your your uh, I guess feelings about men sending you voice messages. Mm. I think whatever we do, however we conduct ourselves, we need to be consistent. So if you're a man doing this on LinkedIn, you'd need to be consistent in how you show up in your profile and how you reach out to people. And you'd need to test and measure how that worked with women responding to you. If you find that there's a sensitivity that your your viewers are sharing with us, Rachel, then you might choose to do that as a second message. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's, that's yeah. good. And, and the other thing I was going to say with this is that the ones I'm more likely to open are ones where someone says a quick sentence that says, hey, I've just sent you a voice message about blah, blah, blah. So I know what it's going to be so I can listen. Because you, sometimes you don't, either have the time right now or whatever. But if I kind of know what the message is going to be about, I'm more likely to open it than sure. not. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So you can contextualize it. That's a good way to do it. So you can offer a range of options in the way that you send that, for instance, that thank you and welcome message to a person as well. And I think the thing is that I like about voice is that it creates a personal connection so much faster than a text yeah. message. I, so make I use of that. that too, yeah. And and look, the other thing that you can do, you actually you can create a video if you wanted to. That's going to a whole nother level. If you wanted to create a personalized video, which would be pretty creation intensive. Can you um can you record? I can't remember. Can you record directly into messages? Yeah, I still think you can. I haven't I'm done it in such a, a long I'll time. Send, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you one. Uh, hang on, hang on, I'll just Let's send one just to have the... a look and we'll just jump in. Yes, I can. I'm just going to send yeah. it right now. Hang on, let me just go back. I'm just going to do one quickly just to test it. So this is someone who just sent me a message. I'm going to say, um, you are so, hang on, I'll do one now. This is so weird. Hang on, oops, it accidentally recorded one by accident. I just tweaked it. Okay. You are so welcome. I don't even know if I'm recording this now, but you are so yeah. welcome. And if you've got any questions, let me know. Yeah. I don't know if it did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I think that, that's potentially cool. Yeah. Oh, and you um, can take and a selfie. Absolutely. So for sure. Uh, and the more that you know someone, the more playful that you can be generally. But I think the, the options, yeah, so here I am to, here I am to you. I can, yeah, for sure. It is still working in there. I just hadn't done it for a wee while. I think because often when you talk to people through the options of what you can do, uh, voice seems less threatening than creating a video. And Rachel, you know, working with many people, yeah. creating video can be a bit of a step and a half. But you know what? I think I could do video. I oh, think totally. I, you could write like, I haven't even thought about doing it and I love it. Like I was talking to an old friend who's been on my podcast before, who's a video guy. We're having a chat and then he said his last message was, I'll be in Australia, so we can't do it until late April. He's from the UK. And my response was, Australia and not New Zealand? I am outraged. We may never talk again. I wish I'd done that in a video. Yeah. Because it would have been funnier. Yeah, it would. It would be hilarious. Yeah. And you have lots of fun with videos. So it would be awesome if you did. And then the options with video are, you do a personalized response or you might have something that you want to share with people in a video that could introduce something about your business or that could give them a something or a, or a tip or whatever that might be. Or yeah, that there's, again, as I suggested, you could share a link to a post about yourself. You could have a, a video about yourself. Mm. I, yeah. I think, I do think that, you know, there are, it does give those options. And, you know, we've talked, you and I have talked in the past a lot about neurodiversity. This is cool in ways that you can talk about how to not only communicate in a neurodiverse way, but also communicate to people who 
may also be neurodiverse. So I really like that. Okay, mm. so we've got um, we've got that building rapport, that active stance, the messaging, which I really like that you've talked about that. Can we just talk about, one of the things I did like is you talked about, you know, like building that rapport and setting content. That to me is very similar to when I was in a sales cycle and I'd have like a, even if a quarterly cycle, quite often I wouldn't sell to that person in that quarter. I might just say, hey, I found this piece of information that I thought you'd like and, it, and I'd send it to them. That's what you're doing in that. You're using Absolutely. that sales technique. Absolutely, which could be an article you've written. It could be an article that someone else has written that you think is particularly applicable or useful. And it could be a, a short video that explains something. But you're really just finding a way to add value and keep yourself up in mind with that person. And this is the type of approach that someone who wants a very structured, uh, I've got a really clear uh, target that I want to communicate with, that you, you know, you can take that approach by continuing to send them content on a regular basis. Now, some people in looking at these options would rather focus on the content they're sharing in the feed. So yeah. I guess you, both of these options are available to you. And then when we're talking about selling, are we waiting? Because I tend to wait. I'm like a spider in the middle of my content web. I tend to wait for people to come to me. Um, is that that's a strategy? But are there other strategies besides? Yeah, that? absolutely. After you have taken sufficient steps to build rapport, again, you can literally ask for the opportunity to have a conversation or a meeting. So that might look a number of different things different to different people in different businesses and in different industries. It might be a phone call. It might be an online meeting. It literally might be an in-person meeting that you're seeking to create. And you can send an invitation to make that happen. Everybody in every situation can be different because it depends on who you're reaching out to and what your basis for that is. Because let's just say you've observed something because of behavior you've seen on LinkedIn, content they've shared, a role that's been advertised, change yeah. in their organization. There's so many clues that we can find that might help you take yourself to a place where you're asking for a meeting. But if you're someone in a sales role and you need to meet with people who are CFOs or CIOs or CTOs, then you'll be wanting to potentially be that type of person who's going to be asking for the opportunity for a meeting or a conversation. Okay, so I know that you do work with people who work with large organisations, which is great. I'm going to, I am becoming the Moni Cal of LinkedIn, but I want to just say something here because I have a no meet in person policy with, with LinkedIn. I actually created it for my entire life and it purely came because so many people asked me to have a coffee with them. I'm in Ottawa, north of Auckland. They expected me to come into town. And so it would take a half day out of my day, minimum, and then would pitch to me at that meeting instead of it being a proper networking thing. And would get shitty when I'd say, well, I don't really want to meet with you unless you come to me. Mm. If you are selling to somebody, this is my little lecture here that you, I'm hoping you'll agree with, Kate. If you are selling to someone, you need to be the one that moves your feet. You need to be the person going out to meet somebody else. You need to make it as easy for them as possible to not be wasting their time. Because I see a lot of small business owners who want to use networking as a LinkedIn as a networking to sale place, but make the person they are hoping to buy from them at some point do all the moving. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. you yeah, do. and I think... The pandemic has helped us understand. Like I say to people, I'm happy to have a Zoom meeting with you. Um, it will be this long. And if they say I need longer or it's in person, I go, no, that's my rule. 
Mm. So I think we can, I, I totally agree. I think that um, there are those people who uh, ask for meetings and want to pick your brain. That's another great oh, one. Oh, yeah, isn't that's it? one of my pet peeves as well. Mm. And that's just not on. Um, if you're in a professional sales role and you're selling something that sells for 10, 15, 50, $100,000, um, which is you know not yeah. uncommon, and, and uh, these are real examples of the value of the kinds of sales people are making, you would be moving your butt to, I'm going to just use frank language here, to yeah. the person who's going to be the decision maker or involved or influencing the decision to get in front of them. And it's your job to know about their organisation and research them and to be showing yourself as someone who can add value to the extent where that person wants to meet with you, which is coming back to that social selling is a reaction to a change in buyer behaviour. Buyers go online now to look for information. So mm -hmm. are you the professional salesperson or business owner who's helping them by providing that expertise and information that will att attract the right kinds of clients to your business? Because you need to be that person now to be effective yeah. in the world of professional sales in 2023. And, and let's be honest, like, you know, I think about how many meetings I used to have to do when I was in traditional sales for a very similar role to what I have as a business owner. And sometimes I would have to go and get into a car and meet with that person like four or five times. Like it literally could take, you know, three or four days, sometimes across country, you know, like huge things. Now I can sometimes close that deal in a 25, same deal, in a 25 or 30 minute phone call or Zoom meeting because the social selling has worked so well and this Absolutely. is a huge power i think and 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 i think you'd agree that if we go back to the old model of 100 people to get that one sale i think you can get higher volumes of sales sometimes that that number is higher because there's a whole lot of people up here that may never buy you might have you know 5000 people but the drop down of the hot people to conversion is much better absolutely and the more you take a quality focus the better those numbers are going to show up for you. Mm. That's where when people are doing it on a numbers basis, and let's talk a little bit about the misbehavior of automation for a moment here. Yeah, yeah. So LinkedIn has said for some time that automation is not on to the extent which it goes against the user agreement. And if you're found to be using automation, you could have your account restricted or in fact be taken off LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, more Account restricted people used to make nice comments like you end up in LinkedIn jail. And if you got out of that, that was great, but perhaps you didn't and you actually lost your right to be on LinkedIn. People who like the idea of automation don't want to do what we're talking about, don't want to approach professional selling in a way where you show yourself to be someone of value to the other business person who needs to solve a problem where you're showing up as the person mm. that can help them solve that problem. Um, they just want to say that sales is just about thrashing the numbers and if you thrash enough yeah. numbers, you'll get something, something will drop out. Mentality. Yeah. Yeah, so it's totally. enough people and someone's going to buy. Yeah, yeah. And and that's not where it's at. Mm. And if you want to take a more quality approach, then you don't need to invite as many people. But you're going to need to nut out some of those numbers for yourself and doing the work. And look, we're talking bigger concepts here today in this conversation, Rachel, and we need to look at a little bit more granular information for a particular business or a particular consulting business to explore this further. But I think we're getting the general message across. No, it's awesome. So I, I've loved this and I've really enjoyed the conversation um, and and yeah, I've got good notes that I'm really looking forward to writing up. But if people want to get to know you and work with you, I know you work with big teams. You also work with smaller to medium-sized businesses to help them with their LinkedIn strategy and 
teaching some other stuff. I know that, although your ideal clients are those larger organizations. So if you're listening, you need to use Kate. She's amazing. Um, but tell me um, how people get hold of you. Where do they find you? Sure. So they can find me on LinkedIn. But we'll put a link in the for, show notes. Yeah, yeah, for looking for Kate Nankable. Um, I'm starting to emerge in places like TikTok, which is a bit of fun, thanks to Rachel encouraging me to step off into a whole new world. That's awesome. Uh, and I'm also on Instagram, but I think reaching out to me on LinkedIn or finding me via my website, forceofnature.co.nz, all those places, or you can just simply email me. Perfect. And I'll make sure that we've got those contact details. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And for those of you who want to really make LinkedIn your thing this year, use these. Show me the money, baby. Show me the money. Thank you so much, Kate. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks. Cheers, Rachel. I appreciate it too. It's been great. I realized once we finished this podcast that I never made Kate go back and finish her acronym for the money method. And it is so good. So we're going to share it with you now. It's the five points of money mindset, which is all your social selling, your approach, your genuine feeling, all that sort of side of thing. Then we need to start off with that, that mindset, really just change your mindset around pushing things out and making it something that you're going to do long-term building and relationship building. The next thing we want to think about is optimizing, optimizing your profile, knowing who you're talking to and make sure that your profile looks like that. And we didn't cover that at all today. I do have a podcast where I go through how to optimize or go and talk to Kate because she is a pro at this. Our next stage is networking, growing our ideal audience. We covered a bit of that in the podcast around, you know, when you're connecting with people, you know, choosing the people that you really want to work with or people that are like you in your industry worldwide. And then engagement, getting that engagement going by commenting on other people's posts and building that network there. That's the next step. And then the last step is your content. What I love about this is acronym is really clever. It's very similar to how I teach how to use LinkedIn, except I obviously have done poorly on the social selling and some of your ideas like sending out that message and the different forms of messaging are things I'm going to start doing. So I really liked that about what she shared. If you'd like to get hold of Kate, please do. Um, she is really, truly a beautiful human being to work with if you need some LinkedIn support. And if you want to ask questions, do come and be part of the Mapit Marketing group. You can ask questions in there for her as well, and she'll give them to you. She'll give you some answers, or you can ask me or anyone else in the group. And if you really enjoyed this, this podcast, please do check out a few of our other ones. I'll link a few of the past LinkedIn ones in the show notes. And I will also... Um, share with you um, our coaching program if you want to join Kate who's amazing and get to see her beautiful smiley face every week as part of the coaching program I don't know how I feel about using her as a sales technique but she is pretty awesome have a great week I'll talk to you next week if you love what you heard today be sure to hit subscribe and if you love this episode in particular I'd love it if you shared it on social media remember to tag me in so I can say thank you have a great week and we'll talk soon